0: day has finally come, Kyle.
1: Yes, we must. We m- There's no turning back no, after this.
0: We cannot unring the bell. Here we are. We have been bazinga good. It took to the very last episode of the second season, but bazingas are a-flying, and we've hit a point of no return.
1: It is, and it wasn't like it was totally out of the blue, and yet they obviously sensed that they had hit across something, because... Because they do it four times? At I
0: least think Three. three.
1: Yeah, I counted three bazingas in this, the first episode, well the, I'm sorry, not the first episode, the last episode of the second season of The Big Bang Theory, a show we talk about here on our podcast.
0: Whoa, hey, you just did the mistake I did last week, because we are The Big Bang Theory theory, or were you setting me up? I was
1: setting you up. Hi,
0: I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Kyle. Sometimes I don't get it when Kyle tries to give me a really sweet alley-oop. Yes, yeah, today is one of those times. That yeah. is,
1: that was, that would be, that was like I laid it up for you, and you, you jumped up in the air, and you slapped the ball at, away did. from the other I, team.
0: My bicycle kicked upwards and diarrheaed on the ball. Somehow, <laughs> people, it went from the most impressive move to the most upsetting thing anyone has ever seen in a professional sports setting, uh, which I'd like to be known for. Um, but yeah, it's ah, oh, this feels weird. It feels like all this time I've been waiting for Bazingas to start happening, and now that they started happening, I I already wish we hadn't got this far. But we should probably just do the episode summary before we get into it, huh? Yes. Well, this one is also very easy. You know, actually, I think this season, as it's been going on, the episode summaries have been getting shorter and shorter because the episodes have become more focused, maybe? Or we're just getting better at getting through the shit. I don't know. But regardless, uh, basically, Sheldon gets a mysterious email, and the cold opening and he is so perturbed that he cannot sleep uh, in the middle of the night he harasses Leonard at like 2 in the morning about what he's supposed to do and he reveals that before he harassed Leonard he went the, the email was from the professor, the university's professor he goes to the university professor's home to harass the entire family into figuring out what the email is about because he just can't let it go and uh, he finds that he has been invited on an, uh, a science expedition to the North Pole And the whole rest of the episode is about him preparing for the expedition, recruiting the rest of the nerds, and whether or not uh, Sheldon, not not Sheldon, Leonard and Penny have feelings enough for each other that Leonard should not go to the North Pole. And I found it infuriating. Uh, Ultimately, Leonard and the rest of the gang all do go to the North Pole. And the episode ends with them uh, in a research lab that is arranged almost identically to their apartment preparing to watch uh either the thing or ice station zero or a double feature of the two ice station zebra zebra sorry no it's fine
1: i just i had to look it up i have no idea what that movie is about i think it's like a cold war thriller from like the five sentences i read on wikipedia i
0: will ceremoniously uh cut off one of my fingers in tribute to uh to you for having brought shame to this podcast with my mistake
1: man if you did that every time you fucked up you'd be out i mean you wouldn't have any fingers left already
0: Yeah, but then I'd have so many fewer digits to to mix things up and make mistakes. You'd be like you'd be like running the keyboard with your nose, like someone in a David Lynch movie. The other day at work, I insisted on dialing a couple phone numbers with my nose, and that's another sign that I am in the wrong field. I'm I'm a lawyer. Yeah, I'm. I'm, 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 I have to call. How did that go away? How
1: did that go over in your professional?
0: Well, I have my own office. office, so I can do a lot of dumb shit. But I just, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing to avoid talking with people anymore. Is like maybe if I do it with my face, it will be less upsetting for me to keep this up. Anyway, before we talk about the episode in detail, uh, today's episode is the final episode of season two. That is season two, episode twenty-three, titled "The Monopolar Expedition." Da da da. That's fine, 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 fine. C
1: plus. Monopolar expedition because they're going to a poll... Yeah,
0: and there's an expedition there.
1: And they're looking, I think, to, for monopoles to prove string
0: theory. Yes, yes. Kyle, how'd you feel about today's episode?
1: Well, I felt, I mean, I felt like the episode... Here, Here's what I'm, like, pretty, like, 90% sure is gonna happen. Which is, they're going to start the next season with them getting back from the North Pole. Uh-huh. Which is the most depressing, because the... All of the funniest jokes in this episode were about what life was going to be like for the four of them when they were isolated out in the middle of nowhere with no escape from Sheldon yes. in the North Pole. To the point where, by the end, I was actually pretty geared up for, you know, the 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 four boys' Arctic adventure together. I mean, I was pretty sure, you know... Wolowitz keeps uh keeps threatening that he's going to fashion a crossbow using his engineering skills well, and
0: well not just Wolowitz you were counting the number of murder well, threats in this episode I, I want to
1: get I want to get to that like separately as a separate segment okay, because I fine. think it's it's important but just at the start I was like yeah I could really like and you said I think at one point you know this should just be the whole next season just like them. Like, you know, sort of like a, you know, like a, what's that show, Blackadder? Just like, you know, just soft reboot. It's just like, this is now the setting of this show, this polar station, it's just the four of them. I was thinking if it was like a British sitcom, they could actually pull shit like that off, where it's just like, nope, we're just going with a cheaper set, we're got rid of all the extras, you know, it's this is basically like Red Dwarf now, it's just four people on the fringe of the Arctic who all are science nerds and have no contact with anyone else. I'd be like, that that's a much
0: better premise for a show. I would be thrilled if one episode of the next season takes place in the polar base. But what I imagine is them all walking up the stairs to Leonard and Sheldon's apartment in their gear from, from the base. And then uh, Leonard is going to find out that in the three months while they were gone, Penny touched another man's hand and then he's going to flagellate himself only as long as it takes for him to get enough blood to blood, blood to uh, lubricate himself while he like, cries and masturbates in front of penny's door
1: yeah yeah, yeah. no I, you're absolutely right i mean i bet that when he comes back she'll have a new boyfriend who will take up like a three up epi- three episode chunk of the season before disappearing yeah before but,
0: some of his obvious flaws uh have him removed from the episode so leonard can go back to being the poster child of the nice guy who is definitely not an incel
1: yeah you're really mad at him in this episode
0: like, him and penny they they're the worst people so there's no way to really get into it besides just me being like baseline frustrated by it because it's at one point Leonard is like alright I might seriously go on this expedition I should tell Penny about it and then Penny isn't sad enough for Leonard and then Penny gives Leonard a long hug and he's like oh man maybe she really does want me around the length of the hug is how we measure the attraction we have for each other and and a snuggie which they refuse to call a snuggie but we all know what's a snuggie um, but yeah. yes they even they even acknowledge that Penny bought it while
1: getting drunk on wine and watching late night infomercials where they definitely called those snuggies.
0: Well, I think though that oh you're you're just talking about the snuggy thing. I think you're talking about the value behind the gift because I was going to say late night wine drinking gifts I think are sometimes the most meaningful gifts. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, because if you're thinking about somebody like the two way, in the morning.
1: By the way, fans of the show, if you got me a snuggy, I would totally wear it. Um um just throwing that out there. So weird thing, I feel like it's it's a running We've talked about the everybody hates Sheldon theme before, but in this episode it goes in a very particular direction, which is everybody wants to murder Sheldon. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. can't like that must have come up once or twice like I'm sure every joke that has a we hate Sheldon moment in it has at least one or two, you know, god, I wish I could kill Sheldon or I'm Sheldon makes me want to kill him jokes, which is weird. But in this one, for some reason, they come off so many and so quickly and in such detail that I'm like, wow, there are a lot of these. Like, this is just... Like, I have some friends and some of my friends... <laughs> bragger. Well, no, I mean... I'm trying to say I know how guys, you know, because we're all insecure and we're surrounded by toxic masculinity. So none of us can give each other, you know, affection or compliments. I get all of that. And so occasionally we put are, each other down. Are
0: talking about how tight your body is all the time, fella?
1: I'm just saying you've I'm sure you've experienced those dynamics where dudes just put each other down because it's the only way they know how to communicate with I mean, each other. I
0: understand that's how other men communicate. But I, I, I just I respond by saying, hey, what's up? Nice horn, bud. You're looking pretty cut today. And then we all just, you know, pat each other on the back and we feel good about it.
1: Okay, fine. My point is, I've never, no matter eat, no matter like how toxic the group of people, I've never had one of my friends be like, you're so annoying, I'm thinking about Smashing you in the head with a baseball bat over and over until your brains leak out on the concrete.
0: Yeah. Ha ha. And how everyone else is like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not just that one friend is like, I want to murder you with a crossbow, but every other friend in the group is saying, Sheldon, you have to be careful because we won't stop him. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, it doesn't even.
1: Like in the very beginning of the episode, Sheldon is uh is making some whatever, and uh and Leonard goes. Well, yeah, I I wish I could remember the context, but Leonard just, it struck me sort of out of the blue. He's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I could pummel you to death right now, and that might solve things. And Sheldon is like, that's sarcasm, right? And Leonard just looks at him and goes, maybe. Which is a stone-cold fucking thing to say. It's pretty
0: good. It's pretty good.
1: And then, yeah, and then you get multiple, you know, I'm going to shoot you with the crossbow jokes. I think Penny gets in on the action with yeah, the
0: penny threatens on locking him in the, uh, the, yeah, Penny threatens to lock him. It's just they're the che- all... in the, in the cheesecake factory freezer. They're also
1: visceral and real ways to murder someone. I mean, it's not like people are just like, well, haha, I'm going to slap you so hard. It's like, no, it's like, no, I'm going to emulate one of the ways that people have died on like dateline mystery murders and i'm gonna and the final one that i specifically remember is sheldon explaining to the group why they need to focus like han solo who did not give up in hoth and instead cut open a tauntaun to keep everybody warm wallowitz responds okay boys hold them and i'll start cutting
0: which is just jesus yeah well and aside from that i mean how many of these other ones are off the cuff leads me to believe that these are this i think These all belong into a category of murder that requires what we call in the law malice aforethought, that none of these were as truly off the cuff as they seem, that Penny has walked into that freezer and at her work and thought, if I can get Sheldon in here, God. And maybe that is sort of the plan, too, because so Sheldon asks Penny if um, he can use the Cheesecake Factory freezer as a is a room to go on a test adventure, uh, to train for the expedition. And Penny is surprisingly open to it. She's, she says that she can make it work at her job in a private, professional restaurant, that she is in no way in a managerial position, that she can make it work out to have four guys in Tundra outfits with scientific gear just hang out in there for about a day or so and really, you know, get their bearings. Well...
1: I mean, I've, okay, so I don't want to disparage Cheesecake Factory because I don't know. Maybe that's a more upscale establishment. But
0: people are wandering into their freezers all the time.
1: I, I'm just saying. I worked at Papa John's. If we had, you know, I also worked at Wawa, which was like, you know, a, the, a classy style 7-Eleven type establishment in Philadelphia. And yeah, if, you know, we had a big walk-in freezer in the back. And if you would, you know, You, anything. If you told me that someone was back there shooting up heroin, it would not have surprised me.
0: So what you're saying is that what the scene was missing is someone in the freezer already there shooting up heroin. Like, that would be the frozen body they found as if they had actually traveled to Everest.
1: Well, I also remember a stand-up comedian one time talking about one of his first jobs where, you know, basically his manager and one of their other employees would hook up in the freezer. Um,
0: That seems like a good place to do that.
1: I know, so I didn't want to offer that like I first hand experience of it, but that's if people are having sex in the walk in freezers, then they're definitely why four people can conduct arctic experiments in one.
0: Well, here's the thing: I, I, I this changes everything because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm chubby, and I, I really, really never exercise, and so when sex happens, it's an ordeal. <laughs> like you're like, this is gonna be a fun, cool time or whatever, and I'm gonna be sore because I'm in such terrible shape, and it's embarrassing. Um, but if I were in a freezer that were keeping my muscles nice and tight and were, were cooling my core temperature, I think I could potentially be a perpetual fuck machine. I don't know why, like, why beds, like, bedrooms aren't just, like, frozen chambers. Like, that should be what happens, like instead of being Amish and growing out your beard after you get married, you should be relieved of the traditional bedroom and just move into a walk-in freezer. And like you have to, and you have to keep it for the rest of your life. And that's why people used to be just so discouraging of marriage is they're like, if you sleep alone in a freezer, you will die. You need someone's love to stay alive. It all makes sense. Kyle. I'm fucking in freezers from now on. I, so like the high
1: altitude runners. This is the you've discovered like the Olympic secret to high quality, you know, marathon sex. It's if, just an, if an
0: Olympian, if an Olympian figures out they can fuck in a freezer, we have a problem because the, no one else will be necessary for breeding. Like they, they, they will just start producing like just pounding out and having a really good, well fit time at it, pounding out the Uber mention. It's Oh, alright, sorry, we have to scrap this episode I went from realizing that freezers are a system of infinite pleasure To being really just the beginning of a terrible eugenics experiment ah. Like happens a lot on this sh- on this like podcast Like happens a lot with the Olympics um, <laughs> ah. By
1: the way, now you have Perpetual Fuck Machine Should definitely be the name of this episode
0: Okay, it's going to be the name of the episode And it's going to be the tattoo that I get on my forehead <laughs>
1: Uh, what were we talking about?
0: Who knows? This dumb show, I guess.
1: Um. So, yeah. Once again, when they all think that... Because you never... Yeah, Sheldon's getting sent to the North Pole, and there's like a minute where it looks like he's going to go by himself, and the other three nerds are so happy at well, the yeah, idea of having jubilant. having three months without Sheldon they in their very, life. Right in front of him. And it's just like... Why? Why do you hang out with him if you hate him so much? If you hate him so much that you routinely make jokes about murder? I mean, it's like it's like one of those. Uh, have you ever seen mm. the movie Bully? I've
0: not. It's not. Or wait, no. Is, or unless is that the is that the movie that's a documentary like about bullying? Okay,
1: yeah, that's also a movie called Bully, which has a great cover of the song uh, Teenage Dirtbag by but not that one. Weezer, but not that okay. one. Okay. Um, Boy, I tell you though, having a children's chorus sing "Teenage Dirtbag" surprisingly moving. Um, anyway, no, this is the one. It's set in like the '90s. It's about like this kid who just like who is this off? I mean, they're all teenagers, and he's just this awful, horrible monster who's mean to all of them and sexually molests several of them. And so the whole time you're like. What is going on? Why don't they do something about this kid? And finally they do. They murder him. That's the end of the movie. And it's like based on a true story. This guy was a dick. They all treat him like a friend, but he was a monster. So eventually they murdered him. And it's like, we're almost at that point with Sheldon now.
0: Well, you know where this dynamic can make a lot more sense is if they were in high school or younger. Because I, when you're just talking about th- that, I was thinking about a different movie called um super dark times which is set in like the early 90s and it's a bunch of teens
1: oh yeah i've heard about that that one they also accidentally like that one's an accident but they basically like stab someone Th- or there's an accidental
0: right? stabbing but one of the kids that they hang out with in that movie like nobody likes him he's a super mean douchebag like but they all hang out with him and i think it's it's i found it incredibly relatable growing up in a small town so I'm like, that's just who you have to hang out with.
1: Yeah, basically anyone who shares your interests, whether you like it or not. You... No, no, not
0: I didn't share interests with most of the kids I grew up with. They were just the kids I had. They were like, let's go, let's go do sick mountain bike stunts, and I'm like, okay, I like chemistry or whatever. I guess I'll like scoop my bike up behind you and pretend that I love this. I'm the only family in this entire town that doesn't like to hunt but I'll, I guess I'll help you chop up animals in the garage so I could just be a part of the the, the well no I was going to say more the the sociopathic part but I guess murdering the animal that requires a certain deadness in your heart to begin with uh, I say this is someone who eats amber hamburgers on the reg but um, yeah it's the dynamic would make sense if they didn't have a reason that they could leave Sheldon behind but as adults who don't need to work with him or live with him or be friends with him it doesn't make sense that they continue to put up with him other than, again, going way back to the beginning of our show, uh, unless we establish that Leonard and Sheldon are in some sort of weird, you know, sub-dom relationship that everyone else just has to put up with. Which
1: actually, now that you mention that, maybe that fine, that's the missing piece of this episode. It's like because Sheld- Sheldon gets invited to the Arctic and then he he invite he basically picks the other 3 and he's like I need you on my team and Leonard's the one who convinces the other 2 to go and maybe this is like one of those like initiation things many Leonard has secretly been grooming the other 2 this whole time and now that they're all out in the snow with no one else as witnesses they're only be, god in the four of them
0: They're all going to be sister wives in a bunker is that what's going I on I think
1: yeah that's exactly what I'm saying
0: hmm it does work out cuz Raj won't have any problems not talking to them um Wallowitz will take anything he can get really yeah speaking of
1: now that i think about it of all of them i think Wallowitz is the one i would least like to be i mean even more than because sheldon would drive me fucking crazy but nowhere in that bunker did i see anywhere for Wallowitz to have any privacy and that just means that he's going to be like masturbating on the furniture like
0: that's just an inevitability for like a week until he gets bored of it, and then he's going to have that much more time alone to think about who he really is. And he's going to have to reflect on all the crimes he's committed against women, and he'll come back a reformed man. Except that three months without any ladies around, the first one he sees, he will tear his own flesh off so the insides of him can be that much closer to the outsides of her.
1: Boy, you went in a real, like, uh, Clive Barker direction with that.
0: That's where I always go. If I. Anything that I'm dealing with uh, eventually will have to have the incorporation of either sadomasochistic leather wearing demons or um, creatures that are bound by blood and need to be resurrected only through the blood of others who've been murdered and I mean, tearing off your own flesh. But, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. Moving on, moving on, moving no, on. No, please, I, please. no, please, I, I just, please. I just made a change in my recommendation for the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, now we're finally wrapping up. We have social media. I'm not just going to make a fart noise. Find us on Facebook. Join our page. Sometimes yeah. we post things there.
1: Comment on Twitter. I know I, f- I run the Twitter and I forget that the Twitter exists a lot of the time, but I'm sure if you all started tweeting at me, I would you know start using the twitter
0: and that's twitter.com slash bb theory squared and also find us on itunes and give us ratings i'll accept poor ratings i just want the attention there that's our social media presence blurb now on to the recommendations kyle would you like to go first or shall i
1: i'll go f- no you go first i usually go first okay
0: so i have a feeling you're
1: just gonna be better than mine but go ahead
0: hey no whoa whoa let's take a moment recommendations, this isn't a competition. We're speaking from the heart about things we enjoy so other nerds out there can broaden their horizons. Well,
1: I didn't say it was a competition, but it's kind of like show and tell,
0: just because show and tell is not... Show and tell is a competition. Someone's like, hey, check out this cool stick I found. That kid should be thrown out the window because he's not bringing any value to society. All right? it's. right? I'm not saying that there's a winner, necessarily, but there's a loser. Um, anyway... What I would like to recommend, which I changed during the course of this episode, is uh, Hellraiser 2. Uh, I can't believe... I think maybe... No, I think the original name of Hellraiser was The Hellbound Heart. Yes,
1: Um, I've read that short story. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen the movie? Eh. So, the first Hellraiser... Here, it's not great. Here, here the second
0: one's better. So, I actually... I hear the opposite, but I do like the second one better.
1: No, I think most people agree the second one's better than the first one. Well... So it's well, except for the people who are all whatever, because Clive Barker didn't direct the second one, he did direct parts of the first one.
0: Well, I think I have to explain a little bit about the first one to make any sense of the second one, which itself makes no sense. But uh, Hellraiser is essentially about this family and uh, a, a, a weird uncle, I believe, who goes off to the mysterious Middle East or Africa or somewhere. He finds his magic puzzle box, and if you solve the puzzle box, it grants you ironic (laughs) uh, pleasure, which means that a bunch of Cenobites, which is uh, a special kind of angel, but in this universe are leather-wearing spooky demons led by uh, Pinhead, uh, a a giant scary English man with pins coming out of all parts of his face. Uh, they, They come to offer you eternal pleasure and pain. Which usually means ripping you apart with hooks and having you suffer an eternity uh, in hell. So it's I don't know why that doesn't get around by word of mouth and why people keep trying to solve this puzzle box. But so the first movie is um, I think that Uncle dies. The there's an evil stepmom who is horny for the uncle and starts murdering people so the house they live in can absorb the blood and bring that uncle back. Yes,
1: I just, I mean, because again, I haven't seen the movie, but I read the short story. Just imagine, his dick is apparently so good
0: that she kills, like, multiple transients Mm -hmm. just just to get it back. Well, so, I don't know what it's like in the book, but in the movie, he does bring the horniest sleaze energy. You're like, he is so greasy that I know that there's no part of him that won't be, like, just incredibly pleasingly slippery. Like he, he just he just looks like a wet perpetual fuck machine. And so I get it. I get it. But anyway, that's not the one I'm recommending. I'm recommending the second movie, which takes place in a mental hospital, and so there's supposed to be some sort of ambiguity, but like, oh, what's really happening in hell and what's happening in this mysterious child's mind? None of it is happening in the mind, it's all a spooky hell thing. And it's it's hard to explain, because the plot of the movie is like non existent. It's this doctor knows about the the puzzle box, wants to solve it. Is pr- using uh keep I always want to say inmates because a lot of mental <laughs> health hospitals are like prisons, but the patients wants to use them in experiments to try to solve the puzzle box. Yeah, he's
1: basically he's trying to like like become a demon or something, right? Like sort of like sort of gain magical agency in this weird.
0: Yeah, he, he knows that there are magic powers to be had, but doesn't fully understand them, as does no one who opens the puzzle box. And so it it turns into this weird dreamlike exploration back and forth between the hospital and between hell. And it's I feel like there was a specific period in the mid 80s, or maybe even just like this movie and Phantasm 2 both have this... Very dreamlike quality, which is really hard to explain other than to keep describing it as dreamlike, where you know that none of it's real. None of it is scary in like a real or visceral way, but it's so easy to get, for me anyway, to, to get lost in it because it, there is no basis in reality. You can just like, you can just wade in the weirdness. And then a guy comes up with pins coming out of his face and you're like, oh, right, I guess this is a spooky ass movie. Ah! Um, but the second one is very imaginative. It's got a lot of cool effects for the time. The cenobites are great. The horny uncle is back, and he's weird and gross. Uh, there are people running around without any skin on, and it's a real hoot. Uh, it's fun. I I don't know. It's it's hard to describe much of it without spoiling much of it. But I would just I would highly recommend Hellraiser two, and that is the only Hellraiser movie I would recommend. Kyle, your yeah, turn. That,
1: that was very nice. Thank you for that. Mine's uh, fairly pedestrian by comparison. I would like to recommend the TV show Good Omens, based on the book Good Omens, which if you know anything about me, you're like, yeah, that sounds like something Kyle would be
0: into. He seems like one of those real Terry Pratchett goobers. That's true. I mean, more of a... You don't seem that way at all, I'm going to say. I mean, that is a compliment. I don't... Terry Pratchett, mm, I've got feelings about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, what the fuck else do we have to talk about?
0: What are your feelings about Terry Pratchett? He's just too goofy, as all like he's I, there's like too much whimsy and fun. That's all I want to say. Is oh that oh of, man, you, you don't seem so silly as to be a Terry Pratchett fan as much as you are in the Neil Gaiman fan side.
1: Okay, um, so I know there are people out there who literally like to murder Nick. So all I'm going to say is when you send the anthrax letters. For what was just said Please make sure you send them when Because I know we don't have an address on the show Or a way to mail things to us quite deliberately Send but an I anthrax
0: know- to our Facebook group
1: But I know I know that now that Nick has Publicly insulted
0: the legacy Of the late Terry Pratchett I didn't insult him, I'm just saying he's not for me That's all No, he's only for silly people Yeah, I think that's fair to say His, his work is very silly
1: So as someone who appreciates the Ankh-Morphpock you know, multiverse with uh, the guards and, you know, the deep socioeconomic implications of that whole thing, you know. I'm just saying Poison Nick, not me. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm more of a young Gaiman guy. It's true. See, uh, I read Kid Omens way after because I think that book came out in like 1990-something or whatever. Um, so I definitely was not early on that bandwagon, but I did eventually, like you get around to, read it, thought it was delightful, great book, um, not obsessed with it, but then the show came out, and I was like, well, that's probably going to be a good watch, if only because of the cast, and I'm only about halfway through, but it's a great watch, mostly because, so a lot of the stuff I think that's in the book, you know, a lot of which is, you know, that weird uh, British humorism commentary, you know, like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the narrator is just running a comedic monologue over all of the action, um, that stuff Sometimes it translates well, sometimes it doesn't translate well. But probably the part of the book that uh, that translates the best that they obviously knew about right off the bat because they doubled down on it um, is the relationship between uh, two of the main characters, which are one of them is an angel and one of them is a demon. The angel is Aziraphale, played by Aziraphale, maybe is how you say it. Uh, played by Michael Sheen and the demon Crowley is played by David Tennant. Uh, in the books, they're very important in like the first 10 chapters and they basically go away. In the show, they're like, no way are we doing that. We're keeping these guys throughout the thing. And it is mostly just like, it is this weird, you know, British duo that have like this great, you know, you know, it's, it's strangely relatable in the sense like, um, Like, because the whole thing is basically like, look, neither one of us is that invested in our job. We recommend, we recognize that what we're doing is important, but, uh, you know, fuck all do we care. So we're just trying to, you know, get along without getting in trouble and, you know, just doing our own thing. And it's just like they have the best, like, their friendship is truly magical. If you want to watch two adult British men just melt your heart with how much they care for each other, it is definitely worth watching just for that.
0: I do also have to ask. How big of a ten- David Tennant fanboy are you? It's okay to not be. No, no. Know.
1: My David Tennant fanboydom goes like off the scale. It's like... it's I had to ask. It, it goes to like... 20, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's at like an 18. It is... There is a noise. If I ever make David... Like, I have imagined meeting David Tennant, and I start to make a noise in the back of my throat that like rises to this high-peeled screech, and then I bite it down. If I ever meet... David Tennant in real life, that noise is going to come out and it's going to be the single most embarrassing moment of my entire life.